0: I'll say, bless the Lord. If you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Oh, my soul. Bless his holy name. Hello, everyone. I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here. Welcome to Kairos. It's our honest and unique attempt to connect to God and each other. And we want to be the kind of place where we can engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, with anybody, including Jacoby. Jacoby, thanks for reading our text. Jacoby's one of my spiritual daughters in ministry and is also working with our discipleship department, which makes me so happy. And as you guys get to know her more, you'll get to find out fun tidbits from her backstory. Um, She was staying with us for a while recently, she has got her uh, apartment in Nashville, I'm not telling you where because that's weird. Um, But before she left, I looked at her and said, remember who you are and make good decisions. And that's an inside joke between the two of us because she would always say as she was growing up, her mother, anytime that she would leave the house, would say, Lindsay, that's her real first name, um, remember who you are and make good decisions. What was she doing? She was just rearticulating the gospel. Remember your identity in Christ, that you are a child of God, and let your obedience and your decisions, everything flow from that great gospel. You know what's not great gospel? My dad. When I left and I took his car, he said, if you get in an accident, don't bother coming home. What does that communicate? Hey, if you're not living up to the righteous requirements of the law, you're dead to me. I'm like, thanks, dad. I'll work that out years later in therapy. But um, (laughs) until now, I'm just going to ride your car really, really fast. Um, I'll I'll show up. But we're in a series called Namesake. Every year we need to continue to remind ourselves about our identity in Christ and finding our God-given purpose. It's going to be central issues for all of us, regardless of age or stage. We're going to say things that maybe you've heard before, but um, I think a lot of times, regardless of whether we've learned it before or not, we always need to be reminded of it. And as I'm starting to get to know some of you and you're getting to know some of me, one of the things that I realize when I'm trying to understand someone's name, someone's story, what's gone into this soup that makes this person who they are to try to understand them, appreciate them, and release them for their kingdom contribution, one of the questions I'll usually ask is, hey, do you have any nicknames growing up? Are there any, like, characteristics or traits that you inherited from your family or friends that people go, oh, yeah, yeah? You look like so-and-so when you do such-and-such. These are all part of our backstories, part of the things that help shape and form our identities. So for me, nickname, Brooksie, High, Brooksie. High. If you say that to me, I know that we'd known each other when we were in my 20s or 30s. That's what a lot of people used to call me, Chris Brooks, Brooksie, 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 right? There you go. My dad, when I was a kid, called me Dirtball, okay? okay so I'm making my dad look like a great guy tonight, right? <laughs> It was actually one of the most affectionate things he's ever said to me. So this is not getting. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dad, I love you. You know that, right? Uh, The Lord's redeeming and restoring all things. Um, I can remember coming in from playing outside one time in the dirt, and he's just like, you're a dirt ball. And I'm like, oh, my dad just said something with affection and approval. I think I'm going to latch on to that. And it was just because I was a hot mess. And it's something that's, you know, Let's stay with me. as part of my identity. I don't mind mess. I'm a little bit of a messy person. People who have been in and around my office can tell you this. It's a gift I give to my control freak wife that I am a mess, and she's constantly telling me to return that gift. She doesn't want it, okay? <laughs> you can take it somewhere else. I also like to think that it helps me as a pastor. I don't mind being in the middle of mess. I I don't mind sin. I don't mind sinners. And I understand that God's got a long story for all of us. And all of us have our own faults and hookups and foibles and own personal brokenness. And I got no problem stepping into the middle of that. Don't ask me to fix it. I I don't have any hocus pocus for that. I will be president. I'll invite the Holy Spirit. And we'll make observations and pray together and see where the Lord will take us. The other question I also like to ask, though, is, is there any false identity or label or name that someone's given you in your past that you're having a hard time letting go of, that's marked your identity in such a way that it's no longer helpful, it's actually toxic, and it becomes a great source of deep shame and insecurity for you. Part of that is voicing that. The other part is understanding, where did that come from, and how do I not live into that false identity that someone else put on me. one of mine is stupid. So I was a kid who grew up with attention deficit disorders and learning disabilities, and was always hallway in the class. you guys have heard, some of you might me tell my story about that before. And so stupid is just something that I assumed was true about me, uh, and something that I assumed was going to be with me for the rest of my life, but through a lot of prayer hard work, dedication, and embracing my true identity, ask the Lord to cross that out and write smart above it. Or you can write Dr. Brooks above it, because I think when he calls you and equips you, it doesn't mean necessarily that it's easy, but he has something unique that he wants to release in you, and he wants to go in your backstory and say those lies that were told about you are not true. What is true is that you have everything you need to live a life of godliness. And that when you discover your unique contribution in the kingdom of God, there will be no stoppage of the power and resources I will release in and through you in order for you to accomplish your God-given purpose through your God-given identity. So that's why identity and purpose is always important. And you got to understand, as we go into this, Jacoby just rests this text in John chapter 1, which I think is incredible. It's describing for us the basic plan of salvation, of gospel goodness. We get to see the goodness of the Father through Jesus Christ the Son. It's sealed by the Holy Spirit, and that's just the beginning. Once we believe in His name, once we decide to receive His gift, we become children of God. Not the end of the story, the beginning. And it's time for those children to grow up and grow into what their father has in store for them. And it is a glorious inheritance. And it is going to be a wild and woolly adventure for every single one of us in here to figure out what are those good works that my dad has prepared in advance for me to do? And how do I figure out my identity so I can live into that contribution? Because I don't want to miss out on one thing that the Father has for me. But I have to warn you, this is not an easy process. This is not all daisies and roses and great scented candles, okay? As good as those things are, there's a lot of pain in it. Any Christ follows in the middle of a season of pain and uncertainty and insecurity and going, Amen? Yeah, it's tough. And God's in the refining fire because he's always after our identity and our character. And especially when our purposes are being thwarted and our passions are not being tapped into. And he takes us through the valley of the shadow of death so we can fear no evil. For we know that he is with us no matter what we're doing. He's for us, not against us. And that no enemy formed against us from the enemy will prosper. But that we will stand safe and secure in our identity in Christ. Regardless of what happens to us in the flesh, our spirit is aligned with his power and his purposes. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for men and women who, you know what? Safety and success is not what the Father has guaranteed me. He's guaranteed me significance. And I'm walking straight into that dark alley because I want to discover who he has created me to be. And I want to make sure that I'm letting go of past false identities so I can embrace the true identity that he has for me. I need to get rid of lies so that I can be more in the center of God's truth. So our bottom line statement for us is just simply this. Identity is given, it is not earned. Identity is given, it is not earned. But to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. Not born of a human decision or of natural descent, but born of God. This was all God's activity. Guess what we did in this? We received and we believed. And then we receive the right to be called the children of God. Your identity is not earned. It is given. And so let's embrace that gift that's freely given to us and figure out how we live more fully and freely into it. John here is the author. He's the beloved disciple. How's that for a namesake identity? I don't know, man. I'd like to go back in church history and find out, is that like one of those nicknames he gave himself? And you're like, not cool, John. That's not how it works. You're not allowed to call yourself the beloved disciple. And all the other disciples are like, no, don't let it stick. And then all of a sudden it sticks. But obviously he's got a firm sense around his identity. He knew that he loved Jesus and that Jesus loved him. And he's waxing on in John chapter 1. With, if you can ever memorize this, I'll put you on stage so you can speak it over me. And I'll rededicate my life afterwards. It's just incredible, right? It's this theological and doxological dance where he's prophetically and poetically talking about in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God because in the beginning was the word. And it's just amazing and he moves through it and then he's getting to this place where all of a sudden the word becomes flesh and dwells among us and he gives us this great picture of how Jesus came to his own and his own didn't even receive him. But to those who believed in his name, to those who received him, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. There is one, when I was in this text a, a couple of weeks ago, writing it out, trying to marinate on it and see what the Lord wanted to speak through us. Sometimes I, what I do is I just slow write out the text by hand, which is excruciating sometimes. Like it's not fun, my handwriting's awful, but I just, I wanna, Oh, I just yeah, I don't have a word right now, but I just, I, I wanna slow cook in it. And I want, I want words to seep and saturate into my pores and my bones. And it said the true light had come into the world. I'm like, true light? Why did he have to say true light? Because underneath that is there's actually a false light. So if Jesus is the true light that gives light to all men, that means that there's a false light who takes away the light from men. Just so we're clear, if you're signed up for this thing called Christianity, we're at war. There is a war for the souls of men and women. We have an enemy. Scripture tells us his name is Satan. He is the serpent. He is the father of lies. He is the deceiver. He masquerades as an angel of light. And his job is to trick you to live in fear, shame, and isolation and never discover your true identity because then you're actually a threat to his kingdom. So make no mistake, the true light came into this world who gives light to all people. But there is a false light. One who wants to keep you hidden in those false identities and those false lies so that you never discover who you really are in God's eyes. It's the same thing he's been doing since the beginning of the story, right? He's coming up to Eve and he wants you to make sure that you doubt your father. Did he really say you couldn't eat of that? Are you sure he really has your best interests in mind? We've talked about this before, but Satan always has a one-two punch, okay? First he's the deceiver, then he's the accuser. Are you really sure that God has your best interests in mind? Are you really sure that if you do this, bad things are going to happen, you'll be just fine? Are you really sure following all those Christian rules and regulations is really going to lead to your freedom? That just really sounds a lot like slavery. Freedom is liberating your mind from all these oppressive, religious Social constructs so that you can choose and define your own identity and reality and morality. Why would you ever want to live under someone else's authority? A mind ruled by the flesh is hostile to God. It cannot submit to God's law, nor does it desire to do so. You can't trust God. And after we bite on that one, he comes in with the left one, which is after you've sinned, gone outside of God's guidelines settled for less than his best and tried to immediately gratify desires that was not in the design of God Almighty's plan for you, he comes in and says, now God can't trust you. Deceives you that you can't trust God. And then when you bite, he goes, now God can't trust you. He'll never use you. Are you kidding me? You're not a Christian. You're not a child of God. I don't care if you received and believed in his name and he gave you the right to be called a child of God, but how dare you? You're not a child of God. Look at you. And that's where he wants to sideline us. If he can't get to your identity, he's going to go after your obedience. And he's going to convince you that you have to earn your identity. And this is where he loves to work. Because what is he going to do? He's going to turn us all into a bunch of little legalist hypocrites who go, I do X, Y, and Z, therefore that's what everyone else should be doing. And then if you're doing this, then you're a child of God. Then you get access to the Father. That's worksism by a different name, which is just, hey, pay your penance, do certain things to meet the righteous requirements of the law. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought Jesus already had done that for us. And he has. But for all who received him and believed in his name, to them he gave the right to be called children of God. Not born of a husband's will or natural descent, but born of God, I don't know about you, but I want to step into that sonship more and more every day. I want the lies to be silenced, and I want the truth to speak louder and louder. So here's how I'm going to remind you guys of this. I'm trying to give us good little visual aids to continue to process. Do you guys remember last week, for those of you who were here, um, we took a look at the early church, and we talked about stepping up into our identity, stepping into community, and stepping out in authority. I should have written bigger. Just, <laughs> Jesus thinks I'm smart and that's all I need. <laughs> Working on it. So again, passionate spirituality, radical community out, and missional zeal. So again, we're looking at, um, at that. So here's another little triangle that I'm going to give you. You're welcome. Shapes help the memory. Believe me, I've needed all the help I can get. The Father speaks Identity. Into us, and out of that identity, we are able to obey, to be obedient. So, biblical support for this in Matthew chapter 3, you have Jesus who's getting ready to launch his public ministry. He goes to John the Baptist beforehand, says, Hey, it's just right that I should do this. He baptizes them. A voice from heaven opens up and says, What? This is my beloved Son. In who I am, well pleased. The Father speaks identity into Jesus. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, all due respect, Jesus really hasn't done anything yet. I mean, he's called a couple disciples. That's okay, but I mean, he hasn't healed anybody. He hasn't preached the sermon. I mean, he had a, There's no Merlot being transformed to make that a wedding feast a little bit better because that was a really good one. And not any of that, that Jack. No, it's just. Oh, I'm gonna speak identity into my son, and once he has that identity firmly secured, then what happens? The spirit drives him straight out into the desert to be tempted and tested, to see if he's gonna rely on his identity. And every attack of Satan in the desert is against his identity. If you truly are the son of God, then do this. Prove it, earn it, show it outside of God's design and plan. He's good. He's a deceiver, and then he's an accuser. Uh, if you want another example of this, uh, Gideon and Judges. So Gideon's little short dude hiding out in this cave, thrashing wheat or whatever. Uh, he didn't want. Is it the Midianites? I believe it's somethingites. Uh, they're foreign oppressors. They're storming and coming in and stealing everything. And he's not supposed to have a certain amount. He's trying to feed his family, and he's kind of hiding in candlelight so they don't see him. Angel of the Lord appears to him and says, "What, mighty warrior?" He's like, "Oh my gosh!" just peed in my tunic. Announce yourself. Mighty warrior, who are you talking to? Frank's in this cage from 9 to 11, okay? It's me. It's Gideon. No. What is he doing? He's speaking identity into this guy who says, I'm the least of all of my tribes. Mighty warrior. After he speaks identity into him, then he's able to go and be obedient. And become a judge who pairs down his army again and again and again and again just to declare God's dignity and strength. And Israel will always remember that God is their ultimate judge and deliverer and savior. Father speaks identity into us and out of that we get obedience. Mary, an angel appears to her, highly favored are you? And it says in the text, she was deeply troubled. What kind of greeting is this? I'm not highly favored. I'm a teenage girl living under foreign occupation and I'm just trying to marry a poor carpenter. Like, that's all I really got going on for me. Highly favored are you. Okay, thanks for that identity. After he explains his salvation plan, that she's going to have a baby that appears to be born out of wedlock, but conceived by the Holy Spirit, what is her obedience statement that just has rocked us throughout every single age? May it be with me, as you have said. That kind of obedience doesn't come out until the Father speaks identity into you. Now, here's... What a lot of us are going to do, and I'll just share, this is personally 25 years of dyslexic theology because of my approval issues. In Christianity, I thought, oh, you've got to be obedient, then you're a Christian, then the Father approves of you. Wrong direction. And so many of us have it in our backstory. Hey, Chris, if you wreck the car... Don't come home. Thanks, Dad. Jacoby's mom, who seems to be a lot more spiritual than Ron tonight. (laughs) Remember who you are. Make good decisions. Let me see, since we're speaking about namesakes, if you guys can recognize this one. Do you recognize the name Mike King? Anybody recognize that name, Mike King? Everyone's like, yeah, I had a buddy in third grade named Mike King. Here's a childhood picture of Mike King. We'll put that up on the screen in just a second. He was born in January 1929. Raise your hand if you recognize who Mike King is. Okay, a couple. Shh. Okay. Don't give it up. Let me give you some backstory of the namesake and the heritage and the high points for Mike King. His dad had the same name. He was a junior. Mike was a senior. Uh, he was a Baptist preacher in the ATL. And he was on his way over um, to meet in Germany for the Baptist World Alliance meeting. During that time, he made some, uh, his dad made some stops in Jerusalem, in Rome, and did a lot of studying and praying. This is 1934. And when he gets to Germany, he does two things side by side. One, he studies the life and times of Martin Luther, the great Reformation hero who stood up against power to put the Bible back in the hands of the people. Also, when he's over there, he's seeing the rise of Nazi Germany. I think the call to become a reformer and a prophet in the modern-day church against oppression starts to rise up in him. He goes to the Baptist World Alliance meeting and helps craft a resolution that they release deploring this. It says, all racial animosity, every form of oppression, or unfair discrimination towards the Jews, towards colored people, And towards subject races in any part of the world. Mike King travels back home. And his five-year-old son, Mike Jr., is waiting for him. And one of the first things he does because he feels like he's been transformed after this trip is grab his son, go down to the county courthouse, and they change their names legally to Martin Luther King. You recognize him now? Martin Luther King Sr. changes his name and changes his son's name at the age of five to Martin Luther King Jr. A copy of his birth certificate will show you where he's actually crossed out the name Michael and put Martin Luther above it. That identity was given to him, it was not earned. But after it was given to him, it had to be fully embraced. So my question for you tonight is, what name do you need God to put a line across and say, that's not how I know you or recognize you anymore? What name do you need him to put into so that you can step into your full calling, your full identity, and your full obedience as a child of God? What might he possibly be dreaming up for you to release in you and through you because you are his child and he needs to know that you're gonna be with him every single step of the way. But to all who received him, to those who believed upon his name, he gave the right to be called children of God who are born of God. Amen. So let's take 120 seconds. Pray and process. We like to just make space to preach the Bible clearly and then respond. So two questions that if the Lord's already speaking to you, start writing that down. What had your name on it here tonight? What did you come here tonight to hear that you need to be reminded of? If you want some prayer prompts, I would ask you those two questions we started off in the beginning. Hey, is there any false identities or names that were placed on you by other people or that you believed in that you'd like the Lord to either replace or redeem? the second question I would have for you just to lean in and listen to is what identity do you think God wants to speak over you tonight? You're a child of God which means there are certain ways that you were designed to reflect his characteristics. What characteristic of God do you think he wants to speak over you tonight and say because you're my child I see this in you. This is who you are. Father, would you speak to us? Jesus, would you confirm our identity? Holy Spirit, would you lead us into all truth as we listen together? Amen.